Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Hello again, everybody. Welcome into Gamecock Central Radio. Emerson Phillips joined by our analyst, Matt O'Brien. Matt is a former Gamecock football player, now working with NBC Sports. He joins us from New York City. We're going to talk about the Tennessee game today. Matt, how you doing? I'm doing great. How's it going, Emerson? Everything's okay. You know, the Gamecocks disappointed, obviously, with the loss on Saturday, but uh, I thought it was admirable the way the Gamecocks fought and came back from a 17 to nothing deficit in this ball game. And I think Sean Elliott still got this team buying into what he's selling. And I think that's a positive sign as we move into a three-game home stretch to wrap up the regular year. Yeah, you know, uh, initially it looked like it was going to be a blowout there for the Gamecocks. I, I, they gave up those two easy touchdowns right away. But then the team really pulled it together. They seemed to get locked in and started to focus on both sides of the ball. The offense were able to string together some positive drives and score some points. And the defense was able to shut down the Tennessee rushing attack. It, it really looked like things were starting to click. And then at the end there, the Gamecocks got the ball back uh, with the hopes to either tie or win the game with a touchdown. But uh, then that fumble happened with Terrell Adams. What are you making a fumble at the end there, Matt? To me, Adams, it was an effort play. He was fighting for additional yardage. I, I felt like he wanted to break those tackles and take it into the end zone for the game-winning touchdown. But, you know, he's got to be aware of ball security at that time in the game and at that position on the field. A field goal at that time would have forced overtime, and the Gamecocks still would have had 32 seconds to take, you know, two and maybe three shots at the end zone. There's a lot of different ways you can look at it. Uh, one of the things I heard is that you know he just can't make the mistake of holding the ball loosely in that situation, and that's uh, that's certainly a fair point. But I have to agree with you, Emerson. I think that it was mostly just an effort play. Uh, he's been he's been a great job or been a great tight end for the Gamecocks over the past few years. He got the ball, uh, broke a tackle. 
he was obviously very excited about that. He, he just tried to get going for a little extra yards, and the ball popped out. I really cannot blame him, and uh, my heart goes out to him for uh, for that happening in that situation. Yeah, Adams had a big game, and he's been a good player for South Carolina throughout his career. And I like Sean Elliott's comments after the game. You know, he was very much supportive of Jarrell Adams, and he said that Adams was devastated by, by that fumble at the end of the game. So, you know, unfortunate set of circumstances, but uh, didn't do anything to diminish the Gamecocks' effort against a pretty good Tennessee team. We talked about the Vols last week. The Vols, we talked about the preview. We expected them to come in and kind of lean on that rushing attack with uh, Joshua Dobbs' quarterback, Jalen Hurd at running back. And uh, what I really liked about the Gamecocks' second-half performance especially is that they stepped it up against the run. You know, they held Joshua Dobbs – Limited on the ground. Obviously, he was appeared to be affected by some sort of injury. Uh, he wasn't running at 100%. But I have to give them credit for holding Jalen Hurd under 100 yards, despite having over 20 carries. To me, that was a tremendous job. Uh, one of the other things I did I saw from the Gamecock defense that was a positive was they were able to come away with takeaways. Those two forced fumbles that uh, the defense recovered, and as well as getting that interception uh, by Isaiah Johnson. That's one of the things that the Gamecock defense struggled in earlier in the year, but has improved in in recent weeks. And the most important thing for me for the Gamecocks' uh, defensive performance that was a positive was getting those big stops late in the game, which gave the ball back to the South Carolina offense with the opportunity to, uh, to score, to tie, or win the game there at the end. Gamecock Central Radio here breaking down the South Carolina loss to Tennessee this past Saturday. Emerson Phillips with Matt O'Brien. You can get breaking Gamecock news alerts delivered to your email inbox. Just text USC to 42828. Text USC to 42828 or just go to the Gamecock Central homepage. Matt, sticking with the Gamecock defense for a moment, I was amazed at the the way this game shifted in the second half. Tennessee had averaged seven yards per carry in the first half, but in the third quarter they averaged only 0.3 yards per carry. Did you see a schematic change? Was there a change in the way the Gamecocks lined up or anything they did defensively, or was it simply a better effort in the second half? They didn't really change up the scheme a whole lot, and I wouldn't necessarily say that they had better effort, but they were certainly more focused. They were kind of keying in on what Tennessee was trying to do, and I think they just started to recognize that, hey, we can, we can pull this together, we can win this thing. And that confidence, that boost, and I think the pump up from Coach Elliott on the sideline really did help them as, that, as they gained focus and just started playing their assignments better. Marquavius Lewis is a guy in particular who seemed to turn it on in the second half. I saw in the first half him struggle against the, the tackles in the run game, but then in the second half he was a, he was a real force. He's been, he's been a pleasant surprise to watch in recent weeks. He really turned it on in the last uh, three or four games. No doubt about it, Matt. Uh, one of the negatives for the Gamecocks, and this has been a recurring theme this year, talking about the defense. You know, South Carolina got, uh, gave up two touchdowns on the game's first two possessions. Tennessee went straight down the field their first two possessions and took a 14 to nothing lead. So why does the defense continue to get off to such a slow start? You know, South Carolina has not had the lead at halftime all year, not once. Yeah, you know, you bring up a good point, and, and really that just goes to show me that they're not focused enough. And I don't mean that in terms of they don't have the right energy, they don't want to win. I just mean that when they get on the field, they don't quite have the confidence to go out there and perform their duties they go out there and they're sort of guessing or, or not really sure what the offense is showing them, and that forces them to, uh, to lose focus for a second there. And that slight hesitation leaves those big type of windows that you saw on that Von Pearson catch for the Vols' second touchdown. Yeah, defense continues to be a concern. Uh, one more positive for the defense this past Saturday, Matt. Marquavius Lewis had a, big, a couple of big plays in the ball game against Tennessee, and he appears to be getting better.
better as the year goes on. Yeah, it goes back to uh, locking it in there in the second half, and it's unfortunate that Marquavius Lewis and the other guys don't seem to play with that in the first half. But yeah, I've, I've been I've been really uh, really impressed by how Marquavius Lewis has played in these last few games, and it's not really even just Lewis. I, I've also been impressed with Darius English along the defensive line. He's a guy, again, uh, he had a big tackle for loss that could have been considered a sack against Tennessee. He just continues to impress me with his effort, especially on those third-down pass rush situations. But all across the board, the defensive line, uh, in the second half, they really did step it up, and that led to Tennessee having problems getting their run game going. Matt, let's take a look at the Gamecock offense quickly. Uh, three touchdown passes in the third quarter for Perry Orth, and the Gamecock offense looked like a completely different unit in the second half after getting held to just three points in the first half. South Carolina also missed a field goal early in the ball game that came after a Tennessee turnover. So what did you see differently in the second half with the offense? Perry Orth, with the three touchdown passes, uh, he continues to do extremely well given the hand that he's been dealt. You know, this is a guy that was sixth-string quarterback just a couple of years ago. Now he's the Gamecock starter and threw three TDs in the third quarter on Saturday. Yeah, you know, Orth did a great job after um... – after coming out slow in, in the first half. And that really impressed me because that means that he's a guy who can pull together when there's adversity at the line. He went out there and he, he turned himself into a dual threat again with the coaching of Coach Mangus. He used his arm, he used his legs. And in that third quarter, like you said, he was particularly impressive. The Gamecock offense was able to string together three drives, three touchdown drives in the third quarter. And what really impressed me, aside from Orth's composure throughout the game, was his ability to to hit different receivers. They used 10 different guys who caught balls in the game. And that's really just showing you that the, that the defense cannot key on anyone in particular. They have to stay focused on every single player that South Carolina throws out at the receiver, tight end, and running back positions. Uh, so that's one of the things I also saw with the South Carolina offense that uh, impressed me. And one of the more impressive things that I saw, aside from those three touchdown drives, like you said, was Orth's ability to command a two-minute drive. That's something that I haven't seen a lot of from a Gamecock team this year, and he had them going right down the field, and it just led to that Drell Adams fumble. But if you look at his play on, on that drive, it was uh, it was really impressive. Yeah, Orth appears to be getting better as the season goes on, too. He finished 20 of 39 for 233 yards and the three touchdowns. And, Matt, I felt like Orth's performance was helped by the presence of Brandon Wilds. Not a big you know, eye-popping numbers day for Wilds, but those 20 carries – He's getting tough yards, and we've come to expect this from Brandon Wilds. Yeah, Brandon has been impressive. He didn't particularly put up a good uh, stat line against Tennessee, but he did all the little things like you see from him when he's healthy. He catches well, he runs well, and he blocks well, and all those things combined to make him a, a very key part of the South Carolina offense. So Carolina's lost two straight now, and Farrell Cooper has not been heavily involved in either of the last two ball games. Matt, we saw him... Uh, the victim of a targeting call that went against Tennessee. Cooper took a big shot on the sideline. He was really uh, put in a bad spot there and took a shot, you know, helmet-to-helmet shot. The Tennessee player was ejected from the ball game. I mean, it was a no-brainer when you saw the replay, and he really got rocked on that play. Yeah, he did, and that's just one of the physical parts of the game. The, the Tennessee player definitely had it in mind that Farrell Cooper was the best player for South Carolina. If he can get a good hit on him, he was going to take that chance. Uh, but it goes back to getting Farrell Cooper more involved in the offense. I know that G.A. Mangus did a good job of moving him around back into that diamond formation on offense. It kind of made the defense have to adjust their look a little bit. But he needs to get more than five touches in a ball game, especially in a tight contest like it was against Tennessee. Whether they have to stack him on top of another receiver to give him a little more space to use in the screen game, 
or even just throw more to him over the middle. Kind of line him up in the slot, give him inside-out options, but he has to get more than five touches. I don't care if it's at a Wildcat, receiver, or running back. Matt, what does it tell you that South Carolina has been competitive? I know the Gamecocks have lost the last two to A&M and to Tennessee, but they've been able to compete with these two teams without big days from Farrell Cooper. What does that tell you? It shows me that the team all believes in each other. It's, it's a good team performance. They don't necessarily have to lean on a guy like Farrell Cooper to come out and put on the best performance for the team to be there in the end to, to have a chance to win games. They know that whoever they line up at running back, receiver, they can believe in, they can have trust in. And that, that shows a lot about the leadership of this team, not just Coach uh, Elliott, not just Coach Mangus, but also with Perry Ortha, the quarterback position. Yeah, and you got to believe that uh, if the Gamecocks can get the ball to Farrell Cooper a little bit more over these final three games, the regular year, the Gamecocks are going to have a chance to win some games at Williams-Brice with Florida coming up on Saturday, then the Citadel, and then the season finale with Clemson on Saturday, November the 28th. You're listening to Gamecock Central Radio with Emerson Phillips and Matt O'Brien. We do have new smartphone apps that are available for Gamecock Central Radio. The new Android app is available. Simply search Game. Gamecock Central Radio, and the iPhone app is out now as well. And we're on iTunes. Just search Gamecock Central Radio. Matt, some final thoughts from this Tennessee game. A heartbreaking defeat for South Carolina with the fumble at the end. You know, it looked like the Gamecocks might have a chance to steal one up there in Knoxville after falling behind 17 to nothing. A valiant comeback, but really there are no moral victories, are there? No, you're certainly right, Emerson. There are no moral victories in, uh, in football. But I thought the Gamecocks did a great job at fighting their way back into the game, down 17 points to come back to the way that they did and have an opportunity to win there at the end was really impressive. And it, it speaks to the leadership of the team, the players believing in what Coach Elliott's selling them. Uh, he does a tremendous job. I know from experience he's a guy that if you can't get motivated for, that's, that's kind of your problem. He's a guy who pumps up the team, has the player believing and going out there and playing with confidence. Now, at the end, you have to be able to capitalize on that drive and win. There was an unfortunate fumble. But in the SEC, you have to pull out those big plays at the end there to uh, get the victories. Big picture, Matt. What does the loss mean for South Carolina and for Sean Elliott? I had somebody ask me the question after the game Saturday, where is the Gamecock football program headed right now? And I didn't have an answer for that question. Do you? Well, yeah, things aren't certainly looking good for the Gamecock program right now. Uh, many would count them out in these last few games except for the Citadel game and if you're looking at it from that perspective, you're seeing that South Carolina is probably not going to be bowl eligible uh, this year. They'd have to win two of the last three to be five and seven and hope that there aren't that many bowl eligible teams and you could slide your way into a bowl game. But right now, how it's looking, the odds are stacked against the Gamecocks. Uh, moving forward, this is a, a rebuilding effort. I think Coach Elliott has done a great job at having the team finish. I think the recruits out there are seeing that. But the most important thing for the Gamecock program moving forward will be that next hire that happens whether it be at the last week of November or the first week of December they have to make a great hire and it's the most important thing for the South Carolina program moving forward. Gamecocks have got Florida coming into Williams-Brice for noon kickoff on Saturday Matt I watched a, a good bit of the Florida Vanderbilt game on Saturday and it was just an ugly game Florida was coming off that emotional win over Georgia in the cocktail party they were very impressive in that game but utterly unimpressive, I thought, uh, against Vanderbilt. They kicked a field goal in the last couple of minutes to beat Vandy 9-7, to and they did clinch the SEC East Championship with that victory, but I thought they were unimpressive overall in this game against Vandy. So what do you know about the Gators? And uh, Obviously, they're a very, very good defensive team, but offensively they struggled against Vanderbilt Saturday. Yeah, you know, this Gators team is, is one of the more talented teams 
when you look at the SEC rosters, they have tons of guys who are highly rated recruits. But uh, it all starts on defense for them. They have a guy named Vernon Hargraves III at cornerback. He'll be among the top defensive backs taken in this year's draft if he decides to declare. As well as Jonathan Bullard, who was a guy that the Gamecocks tried to recruit, and I was actually hoping at the time that he chose the Gamecocks over the Gators. But he ended up going down to the Gators. He was kind of a late bloomer this year, but he's looking very, very good along the defensive line for them. On offense, they got Trayon Harris, a quarterback, who's a, who's a very good athlete. He's not a, quite like a, a Joshua Dobbs who will, uh, will kind of look past first, but he's a very good athlete. I'd say more so like Kyler Murray in terms of running style. At running back, you have Kelvin Taylor, the son of uh, great Fred Taylor for the Gators and the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's a very good runner in his own right. And then at receiver, you got Demarcus Robinson, who's an electric athlete. He does a lot of good things for the Gators. He's been a bit inconsistent. But those three guys are really what makes this offense click. And Coach McElwain, in his first year, has done a tremendous job building the Gator offense and the team in general. They have them believing. I mean, no one thought this Gator team would be locked into the SEC championship game earlier than when the season started. He's done a very good job. But like, I, like you said, the tape that they put on against Vanderbilt was not impressive at all. And when they come into Williams-Price, I have full faith that South Carolina can beat them. Yeah, McIlwain becomes just the third coach in SEC history to win a division championship in his first year. Les Miles did it at LSU in 2005, Gus Malzahn at Auburn in 2013. So we're getting ready for South Carolina and Florida on Saturday. Noon kick at Williams-Brice, final three games of the year. We'll be at home for the Gamecocks, and Matt and I will return on Gamecock Central Radio for a full preview of this Florida game later in the week. Matt O'Brien, always great talking Gamecock football with you. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Emerson. Take it easy. All right, we'll do it again later this week. For Matt O'Brien, I'm Emerson Phillips. Thanks for joining us on Gamecock Central Radio. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older in present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit KS Gambling Help 
Stop in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.